0: And uh, that you'll fall more in love with God, more in love with his word, and more in love with people. His wounds have paid my ransom and your ransom and everyone who has called upon the name of the Lord for the forgiveness of sin. Isn't that good? Amen. Amen. It is good, good, good to be in the Lord's house. And as uh, we get started this morning, I just want us to open up with a word of prayer. Would that be all right? Let's join our hearts in prayer. And if it's not all right, we're going to pray anyway. That's <laughs> like, would that be all right? Well, we're going to pray anyway. <laughs> all right, good. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father, we do thank you. God, we thank you for these songs that remind us of your deep love and, and the hope that we have because of Jesus. Lord, I pray that today that you would move amongst our our midst, God, for those who are here, those who are watching online, God, that today you would receive the honor and the glory, God, that you would do what only you can do in this place. Lord, I pray that if there's somebody in this room that has never trusted Christ as their Lord and Savior, God, that's the first step. And so, Lord, I pray that today, through the preaching and teaching of your word and the wooing of your Holy Spirit, God, that you would draw that person unto yourself, God, that they might trust Christ. Lord, for those of us who have called upon the name of the Lord, I pray that we would be not only encouraged and challenged today, but that we would be emboldened to go from this place, living a life that brings you honor and a life that brings you glory. God, I pray this in the precious and the powerful name of Jesus, and for his sake, amen and amen. Well, it is uh, good to see you this morning, and uh, this morning, as you can see from the title, I want to talk to you about one of these uh, I Am statements from Jesus, and uh, as we make our way to Resurrection Sunday, I thought it would be helpful to remember some of the wonderful details surrounding our Lord and Savior. Last week, if you were here, we uh, were encouraged by the truth for all that believe that Jesus is the Good Shepherd. Are you thankful that you have a Good Shepherd? I am. I am. Because you remember we were reminded last week that sheep, uh, and and please, I'll point it at me, we're kind of dumb, aren't we? You know, like I was telling you, like uh, statistics will show that you could have good water and good uh, uh, food just over the hill and the sheep would wander around in the same spot and never be able to find that water unless they had a good shepherd. And so I'm thankful for the good shepherd in my life and... So, uh, I also want us to remember the truth surrounding our Savior. It seems, it seems like we sing, we sing about, we pray to, we praise, and we serve the great I Am, but I'm not really sure that we uh, appreciate Him at all the times or, or what that really means. But in the Old Testament, we find that there are over 150, I don't know if you knew this, there were over 150 I Am statements, interestingly enough. The very last I am statement comes in Malachi chapter 3 in verse number 6. Notice what Jesus, or what the Bible says. God says, for I am the Lord, I change not. Now just focus on that for a second. I am the Lord, I change not. Isn't that good? Do you know anybody who changes their mind about anything? Maybe us. Have you ever, t- let's be honest here. This, hey, this is a friend, we're in the friend zone, Right? We're in the no judgment zone. Anybody here ever change their mind about anything? Only 50 of you. The rest of you are liars. Uh, That's a different Sunday, a different message, right? I mean, let me give you one Thou shalt not lie, okay? All right. All right, let's move on, right? We change our mind all the time, so I'm thankful. That I have a God who never changes. Hebrews 13 and verse number five tells me that He's the same. He's the same yesterday, He's the same today, and He's the same for how long? Forever. How long's forever? I asked that in Sunday school. How long's forever? You guys are really smart. Really smart. And if we were to take a tour of Scripture, If we were to take a tour of Scripture, we could read all about the preexistence and the glory of Jesus Christ. In fact, last Sunday, we were in Philippians chapter 2. It talks about His preexistence. You could go to Colossians 1, you can go to Hebrews 1, or John chapter 1 in the very first few verses of Scripture and talk about His preexistent glory. The truth of God's Word definitively, I say definitively exposes it definitively exposes Jesus Christ to be the very same great I am that is spoken about over 150 times in the Old Testament. It's all pointing to Jesus. In fact, throughout the Gospel of John, Jesus pronounces himself to, with these I am statements on seven, on seven different occasions. And he actually reinforces his statements on one occasion in John chapter 8. He's, he's answering some questions and some objections Of some angry people. Say angry people. Have you ever met them? They're out there. I just would prefer that they stay out there and not in here. This is not an angry place. If you want to be angry, I want to encourage you, go find a Methodist church down the street, all right? (laughs) No, I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. (laughs) I'm just teasing. I say that for my dad. My dad has been a minister of music at a Methodist church for 50-some years, and uh, so I say that in jest to him. (laughs) No, seriously, go find a Methodist church. All right. (laughs) But in John chapter 8, Jesus, he's talking with some angry people, and these Jews, they're asking him questions. They're making objections about all kind of things. And then he gets to the end of John chapter 8, and John chapter 8, verse 58, notice what he says. He says, Verily, verily, I say unto you that before Abraham was... I don't know if you get it, but that's called strong. That's called coming out of the gate strong. He's telling Jewish people who don't believe in him, but they certainly believe in Abraham. Oh, Father Abraham and many sons. And Father Abraham... All right, we can sing that song all we want, right? They believe in Abraham. And so what does Jesus say? He flips the lid right on him. He says, hey, before Abraham was... I got news for you. I am. <laughs> Can you imagine? Oh, they hated him even the more when he said it. One of the most powerful claims Jesus ever made in his earthly life and ministry. Therefore, when Jesus identifies himself as I am, he deliberately, he's indicating that he's equal with God. He's indicating, not only am I equal with God, and by the way, he's not bragging He's not bragging when he says, I'm equal with God. In fact, in Philippians chapter 2, he thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made of himself no reputation and took upon himself the form of a servant. He humbled himself and took upon himself the form of a servant. He he wasn't bragging. He was just saying, hey, I'm God, and I'm God in the flesh. In Matthew chapter 14, Jesus comes to his disciples. You remember this. They're out in the midst of of a storm on the Sea of Galilee, and he comes walking to them, and he's walking to them on what? And the disciples, they're like, what's going on? They get scared, right? And so they cry out. They cry out. They're like, cry out in fear. And in Matthew chapter 14 and verse number 27, just like it's another day, I mean, I don't, I'm not sure, I don't think Jesus had pockets in his cloak, but it's just like another day he's out strolling along the water, and this is what he says. He says, be of good cheer. He says, Why are you afraid? He says, Be of good cheer. It is I. It is I. Be not afraid. That phrase where he's saying it is I, it's an Old Testament identification as Jehovah God. He's saying, I am, which is the covenant name of God in the Old Testament. Therefore, he is actually telling his disciples, Guess what? It's just me, God. It's just me. Don't be afraid. Because I'm the one who made the wind. I'm the one who made the the rain. I'm the one who who gave you the ability to put that that boat together. I'm the one that has provided all the fish of the sea. It's just me. I'm out here doing what I always do because I am. It is I. Throughout John's gospel, you may recognize some of these in John chapter 6. Not only in verse 35, but in verse 41 and, or 48 and 51, Jesus identifies himself by saying, "I am the bread of life, I am the bread of life. I am." In verse number 58 he's 51, he says, "I am the living bread which came down from heaven." In John chapter 8 he says, "I am the light of the world." In John chapter nine, uh, 10, we looked at this last week, seven and nine, both point to the lesson that Jesus taught by saying, "I am the door of the sheep. I'm thankful He's the door, too. Amen. John chapter 10, and verse 11 and 14, he proclaimed to be the good shepherd. John 14, we know this, in verse 6, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. And then in John chapter 15, a couple of different occasions there, he says, I am the true vine. Next week is Palm Sunday. I can give it to you later. I saw you. Guys, will you put that slide back up on the screen? We got some, some of our people trying to take a picture of that. Next Sunday is Palm Sunday. And as I think back when Jesus made his triumphant entry into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey, which is another lesson, I mean, come on. It's, it's amazing to me that people don't see Jesus for who he really is with all the scripture that we have and all the history but I'm reminded in Matthew chapter 21 and verse number 10 that the Bible says that when he was come into Jerusalem, now watch this, all of the city, all of the city was moved. Now here's the reality. Some of them were moved in a good way. Some of them were moved in a not so good a way. And some of them were just moved like get out of the way because Jesus is coming. He comes into Jerusalem, it says all the city was moved and notice what they were saying. They were saying, who is this? We've heard about him, who is this? And honestly, the answer can be found in those seven statements that I showed you. Now, some of you are probably smart and you say, Pastor, you only put up six statements, you got me. I only put up six of them because if you have your Bible, I want you to look in John chapter 11 with me today. Look at John chapter 11. And I'm going to share the fifth I am statement. And I'm going to make a couple of comments, but then I want us to kind of point at a couple of things that we have because of Jesus. Is that all right? I want to point to a couple of truths that are evident for you and I because of Jesus. And uh, because in John chapter 11... What we find is we can not only reflect on the very nature of our Lord and Savior, but we can also learn what He's teaching us in the midst of tragedy. Have anyone in has anyone in this room or online? Online you can respond with a a face or an emoji or whatever. Have you ever experienced tragedy in your life? I'm gonna say, I'm gonna go out on a limb and say we've all faced difficult times in our life. Brother Herb was sharing. Such a difficult time yesterday and a very transparent story of a time in his life. Look with me in John chapter 11. I want us to begin reading, look at verse number 1. We'll not read the whole passage because it's a long story, but I am going to jump and read a couple of things and then we'll make some comments. In John chapter 11, verse number 1, the Bible says, Now a certain man was sick, named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It, it was that Mary which, was anointed, which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore her sister sent unto him, speaking they sent word to Jesus, said so they sent word unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. So they send a messenger, they're just letting him know that he's sick. Verse number four, when Jesus heard that he said, That he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, so you see he has affection for them. Verse 6, when he had heard therefore that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Then after that he saith to his disciples, let us go into Judea Again, and so verse number 11, drop down in verse number 11, Jesus tells them, He says, Listen, He says, Our friend Lazarus is sleeping, but He says, I'm gonna go that I might actually wake him up. And so, what's really interesting is if you look at uh, uh, the, the following scriptures, the disciples are actually relieved, they're like, Phew. They're like, okay, man, praise the Lord, we thought thought something was really wrong. They said he was sick. We didn't know he was going to die, and so we thought he was dying, but you said you're just going to go wake him up. So they're kind of relieved, thinking that the sickness has just got him asleep. He's just lethargic. He needs to be woken up. But in verse number 14, Jesus clarifies what's going on with Lazarus. And he says, Lazarus is dead. And in verse number 15, he says, I'm glad, watch what he says, I'm glad for your sakes. Not for the people who are going to be in Bethany. He says, I'm glad for your sakes, my closest followers. I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there. To the intent, watch what he wants, to the intent that you may believe, nevertheless, let us go into him. By the time, look at verse number 17, by the time... Jesus arrives in Bethany. Verse 17 reveals that Lazarus has already been in the grave. How long? Drop down to verse 20. The Bible says, Then Martha, as soon as she heard Jesus was coming, she went to him. But Mary sat still in the house. And then Martha said unto Jesus, Lord, if thou had been here, my brother had not died. Wow. Wow. But look at verse 22. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it to thee. Jesus saith unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. And Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise in the resurrection at the last day. Uh oh, now it's getting ready to get interesting. Jesus said to her, I. Quit, quit looking at something down the road, quit looking at something future tense. He says, I and the resurrection and the life. He said, He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live, and whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? And she saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. And when she had so said, she went her way and called Mary her sister, secretly saying, watch what she says, The Master is come and calleth for thee. She just said, I believe you're the Son of God. She said, I just believe that you are who you say you are. But then she goes and she tells her sister, the teacher's come. Instead of Messiah's come, the teacher has come. Drop down to verse 32. Then when Mary was come to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet. That's a natural habit for Mary. By the way, that would be a good reminder to you and I this morning. Remember the other story of Jesus going to Martha and Mary's home and Martha was cumbered about with much suffering, but it was Mary who dropped to her knees and she wanted to sit at the feet of Jesus. She wanted to hear what Jesus had to say. Can I encourage us all today that after we leave here today, I want to encourage you tomorrow, tonight and tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday and on and on. Just sit at his feet and hear what he has to say. Man, we listen to everybody else. Why not listen to what Jesus has to say? We have filled our head with so many traditions and so many thoughts that are not even biblical. It'll make your head spin. Just sit at the feet of Jesus and hear what he has to say. Look, she says the same thing that Martha says. Look at verse 32. She says, Lord, thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. So both of them believe that if Jesus would have been there, that Lazarus would have never Passed away. Verse number 33, When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled, and said, Where have you laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. And then said the Jews, Behold how he loved him. They see Jesus weeping, and they said, Man, he must really have loved Lazarus. He's moved to tears. Look at Verse 37, And some, mark that, if you're not afraid to mark it, mark it some. And I put a circle around some, and in my Bible I wrote not all. And some, not all of them said, Could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not have died? And Jesus, look, look it says, verse 38, Jesus therefore again, groaning in himself, cometh to the grave. It was a cave, and a stone lay upon it. What does this point to? What does this remind us of? It's kind of pointing to a picture of where Jesus will soon be laying in a cave with a stone rolled in front of it. But notice, nothing's too big for God because look at verse 39. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. Immediately, Jesus says, didn't I tell you didn't you meet me on the road? Watch what he says here in verse 40. He says, Didn't I say, I said unto thee that if thou would believe thou should see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. I knew that thou hearest me always. In other words, God the Father always hears God the Son. We were talking, we were continuing a discussion on peace this morning. The reason Jesus said he would pray the Father to send a comforter. The reason he had confidence that that would happen was because Jesus understood that whenever he spoke, the Father heard him. Watch this, he says. He says, I knew that thou hearest me always, and because of the people which stand by, I said that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice. (laughs) Lazarus, come forth. Verse 44 says, He that was dead came forth bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. And Jesus saith unto them, Loose him and let him go. What an incredible. I mean, if you guys aren't picking up what Jesus is laying down this morning, I want to encourage you. What an incredible story of Jesus' power over life and death. When he said, I am the resurrection and the life. He was making a bold proclamation that he was not only the giver, but he was the overseer of our very life. And so I just want to share a couple of side thoughts to this incredible story. And as we draw ourselves closer next Sunday, Palm Sunday, and as we prepare our hearts for Resurrection Sunday. And by the way, we ought to be celebrating the resurrection of Jesus every day of our life. But as we gather and we have people that we'll invite and they'll come and we'll worship Jesus together on that day, and I'm praying that people will be saved on that day. As we do that, there are a couple of things I want to point to that you and I can rejoice in today. Would that be all right? If you're a note taker, here's number one. Because of Jesus, death has lost its sting. Woo! Can somebody say, thank you, Jesus? Listen, sometimes I feel like I'm pulling hair, all right? But when I say that because of Jesus, death has lost its sting, there should be no preacher in the world that should say, can somebody say amen? We ought to just think amen. Automatically, Death has lost its sting. Look at verse, now I didn't read these verses, but I want you to continue on. Look at verse 45 and following. Because here's what takes place. In verse number 45, it says, Then many, again, I circled in my Bible and said, Not all, but many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen these things which Jesus did. Watch what happened. They got saved. They believed on him. Their life was changed. They're like, whoo, woo." They had, they had faith. They believed on him. But notice verse 46. Here we go. But some of them, it's the other side of the equation, went their ways to the Pharisees and told them what things Jesus had done. Verse 47, then gathered the chief. Here they go, these scoundrels. Scoundrels. They gathered the chief priest and the Pharisees, a council, and said, What do we do? For this man doeth many miracles. How about saying Amen. What do we do? Verse 48, if we let him thus alone, all men, can you imagine? Can you imagine if we let him thus alone, all men will believe on him? Wow. And the Romans shall come and take away both our place and our nation. They were more worried about their power and prestige than they were about eternal things. Drop down to verse 53. Then from that day forth, they took counsel together for to put him to death. When Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life, in John chapter 11, he is starting to unfold in the, raise, in the miracle r- resurrection there of Lazarus he is starting to unfold events that actually lead to his death and it's a visual picture as we look at the tomb and we look at the stone and whatnot it's an actual picture a visual picture that we can see for foreshadowing of what Jesus is going to do when he conquers and conquers death and he ultimately pray uh pays sin's price for our sin and not for ours only as first john 2 2 says before the sins of the whole world Now, they're only efficacious if you believe. It isn't like it's a blanket statement for the sins of the whole world. Then let's just just close up shop. Let's not send the gospel into all the world. Let's not go into the highways and byways and compel people to come in. Not only for our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. Truly, this story causes us to think about and view physical death from Jesus' perspective I love to look at things from his perspective because my perspective, sometimes, as my wife will let you know, is flawed. Anybody here ever have a flawed perspective? By the way, a little, uh, a little, uh, a little uh, advertisement, I started a discussion on Wednesday night about proper perspective. We didn't finish the lesson. We're gonna get back there on Wednesday. I encourage you to join us. Seven o'clock, Wednesday night. great stuff from God's word. Not because I was teaching it, but because God was teaching it. And so I encourage, encourage you to join us on Wednesday night. Look at verse number 22. Again, Martha is speaking to Jesus and she says, but I know that even now that whatsoever thou ask of God, he will give it to you. Jesus says, hey, your brother's gonna rise. She says, yeah, I know he's gonna rise again in the last day. And then Jesus says, no, you just don't get it. I am the resurrection and the life. (laughs) He's gonna live today. In other words, he's gonna live today. And you don't understand that I have power over death. It was Warren Wiersbe who once stated, he said, In his great I am statement, our Lord completely transformed the doctrine of the resurrection. And in so doing, he brought great comfort to Martha's heart. He transformed the resurrection, taking it out of a book and putting it into himself. He said, we thank God for what the Bible teaches. Think about it, all that Martha had was Old Testament teaching. (laughs) And we realize that we are saved by Jesus Christ and not by a doctrine that is written in a book. But when you know him by faith and trust him, you do not fear the shadow of death. Why? Because in him, every teaching is personal. Oh, Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live what an incredible promise because we see with Jesus we can look into the future and Jesus is reassuring Martha. And not only is he reassuring Martha, he's reassuring us by stating that anyone who lives, anyone who believes will never die. I got news for you. I ain't ever going to die. I ain't going nowhere. You might lie my body in the ground. You might do something to my body. But like I told you a couple weeks ago, when I get carried away, I'm going to get carried away. I'm going to be real serious right now. I'm going to be real serious. I might get a little Pentecostal in heaven. At about the only time I'm going to get Pentecostal. (laughs) Oh, man. What a day that's going to be. When my Jesus I shall see. And I look him in the face, the one who saved me by his grace. And he takes me by the hand and he leads me through the promised land. I don't know about you, but for me, what a day that's going to be. Man, boom. Folks, here's the reality of physical death. Physical death points to what you and I deserve as sinners. I don't like physical death any more than you like it. It points to what we deserve. But the miracle involving Lazarus, when Jesus, this miracle that he shows us, when he says, I'm the resurrection and the life Right? He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. What he is actually saying is, I am in charge. (laughs) What he's saying, and he said it to Martha, he said, I'm the resurrection of life. He said, Martha, here, let me tell you something. Your brother's not going to live in the end at the resurrection, your brother's coming back to life in about two minutes. I'm getting ready to walk over to that tomb that you think you've buried him in. I'm getting ready to walk over that tomb where you've been mourning since he went in there. And you're worried about how he stinks. He's going to smell like he just had a fresh shower when I get done with him. By the way, didn't didn't Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego go into some kind of a fiery furnace? And when they came out, did they smell like they had been burned? And didn't Daniel go into a lion's den? And did he have a bunch of claw marks on his face from the line when he came out? No, he did not. This is the God we serve. Amen. Death has lost its sting. Jesus was telling Martha, instead of being sad, you need to be expecting You need to have a great expectation. Not simply because Jesus declared to have a great expectation to her. Not only just because he said, I'm the resurrection and the life, but because he proved it. He proved it. You and I can live the abundant life Jesus spoke about. Last week we were talking about the abundant life that he spoke about in John 10.10. The reason we can live that abundant life is because we actually have an assurance In Jesus Christ. In fact, John 1, 4 reminds us that in Him was life and the life was the light of men. In 1 John, chapter 5, verses 11 and 12. And this is the record that God has given unto us eternal life. And this life is found where? In His Son, who is the resurrection and the life. Verse 12, He that hath the Son, got some good news for you. He that hath the Son has what? And he that hath not the Son hath not Life. If you do not have the Son today, do not walk out these doors without Jesus. Please. I can't make you get saved, but let me tell you something. Jesus loves you. He died for you, He gave it all for you. And all you need to do is believe that He is who He says He is. And by faith, trust Him. What a Savior! Last week we were encouraged to remember the good shepherd. That was very encouraging to me because why were we encouraged that he's the good shepherd? Because he said the good shepherd, I am the good shepherd and the good shepherd gives his what? Life for the sheep. I'm the resurrection and the life. (laughs) It's all connected folks. These are not disjointed passages of Scripture. In 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 21, the Bible puts it this way by saying, For he, God, hath made him, Jesus, to be sin for us, that's you and I, who knew no sin, that we, you and I, might be made the righteousness of God in him, i.e., Jesus Christ. The writer of Hebrews reveals in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 14, For by one offering, Jesus, he, "...himself hath perfected forever them, believers, you and I, those who have called upon the name of the Lord, that are sanctified." Scripture goes on in Hebrews chapter 10. It's an amazing passage of Scripture. I would encourage you to read all of the Bible. But Hebrews chapter 9 and chapter 10, I would encourage you to read it. man, Because in chapter 10, it goes on. After talking about he has uh, given this one sacrifice once forever and sat down at the right hand of God the Father, and on and on. When you get to verse 21, it tells us that He is our high priest. In other words, you don't need me to go to the throne of God's grace. You can pray anytime, at any place. That's good news. Verse 22 tells us that we can draw near. We can draw near with a true heart in full, here it is, assurance of faith. What that is saying is that you and I can actually be sure that God will accept us, not because I'm good, not because we're good or we're smart or we're great. We can be sure that God will accept us. Why? There's only one reason, because of Jesus, because of Jesus. Turn with me quickly. I want to show this 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Flip over 1 Corinthians chapter 15. You have your Bible. I want to encourage you, man. Bring your Bible. Bring your Bible on Sunday. I mean, if you if you can, bring it, man. Uh, if you got it on your phone, it's quick to flip over there. Uh, but it's important that we see these things in 1 Corinthians fifteen. Notice what Paul says to the church at Corinth in verse three and four. He reminds us in verse number three that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. If you drop down. In verse, chapter 15, drop down to verse number 54. The very last phrase of of verse number 54, the Bible tells us that death is swallowed up in what? We just sang a song that says, I'm going to see the victory. I'm going to see the victory in Jesus Christ. Listen, drop down to verse 55. Verse 55, God's word, ask and answers the question. It's crucial. It says, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. Verse 57, but thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ, which is why, if you keep reading, look at verse 58, this is why verse 58 says that you and I can be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Not because we're strong, but because he is strong. You know the song, I am weak, he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Oh, listen, it's all because of Jesus. That's what makes it so amazing to know that death has lost its sting. In our main text, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and I am the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Verse 26, and whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Now, you say, thank you for reading that again. Maybe not. But the reason I wrote it again is because it's pretty important for you and I today. Because what he is saying is whether we pass away before he returns, we live. And whether we live and we're here when he returns, we live. So guess what? Either way, we live. (laughs) That's amazing. I mean, Krista, if you're looking for the insurance money, good on you. But I'll just be honest, I'd just be happy if Jesus came today. Somebody please say they'd be happy if Jesus came today. I know y'all want to go fishing on your boat, you want to go down to lake whatever, and you got vacation plans. Let me tell you, I'm ready for an eternal vacation. By the way, don't spend the insurance money too quickly. (laughs) Guys, who are we fooling? Right? Right? Because of Jesus, death has lost its sting. And then finally, I just want to share something with you. Because of Jesus, we always have hope. Because of Jesus, we always have hope. Back in verse chapter 11, look at, back in John chapter 11. Go back there with me. Notice in verse number six, it says, When he had heard, therefore, that Lazarus talking about Lazarus. When he heard that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place. In other words, Jesus stays put for two days. Have you ever felt helpless or hopeless? Have you ever wondered, God, where are you? God, I need you now. Where are you, Lord? God, I'm hurting. Lord, I'm struggling down here. Lord, I'm, I'm struggling to walk with you. I'm struggling to talk with you. I'm struggling to live in a way that brings you honor and glory. God, I need you. Where are you? You ever had one of those moments? And you thought he doesn't listen. He must not be listening. By the way, little sidebar, let me step over here. The Bible does say that if we regard iniquity in our heart, the Lord will not hear us. Back to the regularly scheduled program. This is what they're thinking. We sent word. Why would he not come? It's less than two miles away. It's less than two miles away. Why would he not come? We need Jesus now. And that was the first thing Martha and Mary, both of them said. They said, if you'd have been here, he wouldn't have died. By the way, Jesus' delay... And going to Bethany was not out of a due of due to a lack of love or a lack of affection. He says it. He says this in verse four. He says this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. He says. God's going to demonstrate to them. He's going to demonstrate to my disciples. He's going to demonstrate to everyone that I am indeed the only begotten Son of God. I am the living God. He's going to demonstrate it. This is what it's all about. And this may seem brutal, but the reality is sometimes Jesus delays even to those who he loves. And you say, where do I get that from? Well, the passage told me that Jesus loved them that he loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. Sometimes he delays, even on behalf of those that he loves. When he finally arrives, both of them say the same thing. Lord, if you had been here, we, my brother wouldn't have died. But in that moment, when Jesus professes himself to be the resurrection and the life to Martha, here's the beautiful thing. Everything changes. Everything changes. You see, because now Martha understands that life is not over for her brother. Jesus reminds her, hey, you think he's dead. But I say unto you, I'm the resurrection and the life. And if he believes in me, he's going to live. And so he sets things on its head. Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy, right, has begotten us. Now that phrase, begotten us, is an old King James phrase. And it literally means he's given us a new birth. There's a time that we must be born. He was telling this to Nicodemus in John chapter three. There's a time that we're born physically and he's saying there's a time that we must be born again spiritually. He's referencing, Peter is referencing that new birth that takes place in Jesus Christ. He says he hath begotten us again unto a lively or living hope. How did he do it? by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now watch this, because I love this verse number four, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. There's a lot of people in this side of heaven looking for an inheritance. Oh, shh, pastor, don't be talking about that. Don't talk about that. That's a touchy subject. Can I tell you, isn't it amazing how much God loves us? He's already provided inheritance for all of us who believe. I don't have to be the good son. I don't have to be the good daughter and say the right things and all things and hope so, maybe so, that, that somebody's going to leave me a few coins that I might rub together and waste. Let's be honest. But with Jesus... We have an inheritance that is incorruptible, it's undefiled, it never fades away, it's reserved in heaven. I'm headed for heaven and I can't help it. And verse number 5 says that we are kept, we are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed in the last time oh what a savior we serve psalm 146:5 says happy is he that hath the god of Jacob for his help whose hope is in the Lord his God proverbs 10:28 the hope of the righteous shall be gladness but the expectation uh oh there's an expectation for the wicked too the expectation of the wicked shall perish lamentations chapter 3 what a wonderful passage of scripture The Bible says in verse number 24, The Lord is my portion, saith my soul, therefore I will I hope in Him. Is the Lord your portion this morning? Because if the Lord is your portion this morning, you can have hope always. It never goes away. It never goes away. Not only has death lost its sting, but you have hope forever and ever and ever and ever. Verse 26 of that same passage tells us that it is good It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. Turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and then we're going to wrap this up. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Paul, writing to the church at Thessalonica, by the way, what a, what a great church. This was a young church who was on fire for the Lord. And Paul had to leave. You know, they were chasing him out of town. <laughs> and so he had to leave. He went on, made a stop, and then went on to uh, Athens and whatnot. But here he writes to the church of Thessalonica. And notice what he says in verse number 13 and following. He says, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have what? No hope. He says, hey, listen. Because of Jesus, I know you have hope. I'm going to tell you something. I'm getting ready to tell you something. But I want to remind you, I don't want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to be confused. I don't want you to be discouraged about those that have gone before. Those who are asleep in the Lord. He says... He says, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe, if is a big word, is it not? He says, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him... For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord that we which are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Verse 17, Then when we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Listen, I don't know about you, but with Jesus, because of Jesus we always have hope. If I pass away before He returns, I live. If I live and He returns, I live. I'm not that smart, guys. It's the same outcome. The same reality. If I pass before He comes back, I'm going to get carried away. And if I'm here and my jaw drops... When he comes back, I'm going to live. Oh, my friends. Billy Graham, that great preacher of yesteryear. Billy Graham said this. He said, the hope that we have in Christ is an absolute certainty. I love it. He wasn't messing around. He said, the hope that we have in Jesus Christ is an absolute certainty. We can be sure that the place Christ is preparing for us. Remember, he says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house were many mansions, and if it were not so, I would have told you. And he says, I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'm going to come again and receive you unto myself, that where I may be, ye may be also. Now watch what Billy Graham says. He says, we can be sure that the place Christ is preparing for us will be ready when we arrive. (laughs) You ever made a reservation and you get to the hotel and you're like, yeah, no. I'm going to go down to Tom Boudet and check in. Motel 6 because he left the light on for me. We can be sure that the place Christ is preparing for us will be ready when we arrive because in him, watch this, nothing is left to chance. Everything he promised, he will say it. Folks, humankind, that's the politically correct way of saying it. You're welcome. Humankind, humankind was never created for sin and death. It was never created for sin and death. It was created for righteousness and life. And those who are spiritually dead can be brought back, watch this, can be brought back to life through this new birth. In Jesus Christ, physically born, spiritually born, can be brought back to life through the power of Jesus. Think about it. The God who seemed to arrive late, the God who saw the need, the God who hears the cries and the weeping of the people is the same God who responds with ultimate authority and ultimate power. Why? Because he himself, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. I am, owned, I am in charge of life and death. And he commanded Lazarus to come forth. The problem isn't the lack of evidence. A lot of people say, man, if you would just give me some evidence, I would believe in Jesus. What's crazy to me is that same person will believe what some person on TV says, lock, stock, and barrel. I believe that, you know, this is real. That's my truth. One day, everybody's going to be gobsmacked when they finally realize that this is truth. The problem isn't the lack of evidence, guys, concerning Jesus or his miracle working power. The the problem has always been the same. It's unbelief. The problem isn't lack of evidence. The the problem is the unbelief of men and women and young people. In verse number 43, look at our text. In verse number 43, Jesus literally says, Lazarus, come forth. He cries out with a loud voice, Lazarus is dead. He's not breathing. He can't see. Think about the complexity of this miracle. He can't see, he can't speak, and he can't hear. Maybe you're not maybe maybe it's maybe I've just made it out to be something bigger than you think it is. He can't see. They got him wrapped. They got a napkin around his eyeballs. Listen, don't be wrapping no napkin around my eyeballs. (laughs) Sidebar. They got him wrapped up. They got the napkin around his eyeballs. Jesus says, Lazarus, come forth. A man who doesn't see, a man who doesn't speak, a man who doesn't smell. He doesn't even know he stinketh. He doesn't know all these things, and he can't hear. And yet when Jesus says, Lazarus, come forth, guess what? You know what he did? (laughs) He got up. You say, You don't have any proof, brother, that he was laying down in the prostate position, Prostrate position. He might have just been up against a wall in there. I don't care if he was up against the wall laying down or under a rock. What I know is that when Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth, he got up and he said, come on. And he came out of the tomb. Jesus actually declares, friends, if you don't hear anything else, hear this. This and every other great I am statement that Jesus shares, every one of them, watch this, every one of these statements are given to you and I so that we can know him and so that we can believe in him. That's why, that's why this is shared with us, so that we can know the power of God, so that we can actually seize and appropriate and realize that same power in our lives Jesus actually declared this in John chapter 3 and verse number 16. It's a verse that if you're real careful you get too familiar with and you don't appreciate the splendor of it. He said that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Whether you die before he returns, life. Whether you live and he returns, life. He said it's for everyone that believes. By the way, the word life is used 36 times in John's gospel. Did you know that? Probably didn't. (laughs) Fun fact for you. The word life is used 36 times. But here, let me flip it on its lid. The word believe or trust, just in John's gospel, is used over 90 times. Three times as much as life is the reminder that we need to believe. We need to trust to seize this life. In John chapter 20, verse 31, the key of it all. John says these things are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that in believing, you might have what? Life through his name. After making his I am claim to Martha, he then asked the most important question of all. It's a question I'm going to ask you today. It's a question I've been asking for nine years. It ain't just so special for today that I'm just all of a sudden going to ask it. It's a question I've been asking for almost nine years as the pastor here at Battlefield Baptist Church. Jesus asked Martha the most important question back in verse number 26. He says, do you believe it? He says, I'm the resurrection and life. He says, do you believe it? The question is the same for us today. He says, do you believe it? Revelation chapter one. I love this. Revelation chapter one and verse number eighteen. Jesus shares one final I am statement. And he says, I am he that liveth and was dead. Behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And watch what he says. He says, And I have the keys. I have the keys of hell and of death. In order, in other words, he is in charge. Do you believe? Do you believe that he's the resurrection and the life? Can I say this lovingly? Don't put off till tomorrow what you know you need to do today. Because tomorrow may never come. The Bible says to boast not thyself for tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. The Bible says that there's coming a time that every one of us will die, and we'll give an account of ourselves to God. Hebrews, but that was Romans 14:12. Hebrews 9:27 says it's appointed unto men. Wants to die, and after this, the judgment. Don't put it off. If you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, you believe that He is the resurrection and the life, and you have never, never taken that opportunity. To say, Jesus, I not only believe, but I'm asking you to forgive me. I want to receive you by faith. I I want to ask you to come into my life. I'm trusting you to be the Lord and the Savior of my life. And I want you to help me from this day forward to live in a way that brings you honor and glory. Can I tell you, do not walk out today. Do not turn off the computer or TV today without Jesus. Because with Jesus, death has lost its thing. And because of Jesus, we always have hope. Based upon what we know from the Word of God, and I'll just share this, and we'll pray. Without Jesus, based on what we know from Scripture, without Jesus, there is neither resurrection or life. Friends, that's a sobering thought. Listen, life is tough. It's it's getting tougher for our kids. Our kids are going through things that some of uh, uh, us, and I'll include it so it seems real, some of us senior saints never had to go through. Well, I had to go through a lot. Yes, I'm not, I'm not belittling what you went through, sir or ma'am, but our young people are going through all, they're having all kind of stuff thrown at them, stuff that we never thought about. The, the advent of, of a, 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 a device that can connect you with the world, and be in your pocket 24-7. Listen, I, I, I want you to know I'm okay with technology. I just say let's use technology for good, not for evil. Okay? I'm not, I'm not not saying, hey, it's nice to be able to get the grocery list from my wife on the text. You know? The, the honey-do list. It, it, it's, it's there because then it can remind me of what I'm supposed to do. Right? But these kids are being hit with all kind of stuff tell them tell mom and dad you guys know what I'm talking about it doesn't matter whether you go to a Christian school a public school, you're homeschooled you're getting hit with stuff that we never really had to deal with and I can tell you that without Jesus it's not going to be possible for them to get through sir without Jesus you're not going to be able to lead your children through ma'am, mom Grandma, Auntie Anne, please have pretzels. Auntie Anne, <laughs> you're not going to get through without Jesus either. So from this white haired, what hair I have left, somewhat middle-aged to senior saint guy, I beg of you, trust Jesus today. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me, shall never die. Father, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for the time that we've had together in your house today. God, in the quietness of this moment, I want people, I want us all to get very real with you right now. And only... We individually know what's going on in our hearts as far as our relationship with you. I believe we have a lot of people who know about Jesus, not only in this church, but all around the country, really, in the world. But it's not enough to know about Jesus. We must have a relationship with him. We must know him and have that fellowship with him. Maybe you're sitting here and you say, Pastor, I've never I I, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, the the Christ, the Son of God, the resurrection and the life as you talked about. But I've I've never prayed, I've never asked him to be the Lord of my life. Can I tell you, it's faith that saves. It's not a prayer, it's faith. Yes, confession is made unto salvation. I understand what scripture says. But you must first have a belief that Jesus is who he says he is. And so if you tell me honestly, you say, Pastor, I believe I believe, but how can I know? I I don't know what I need to do. Can I tell you, I would encourage you, just say a quiet prayer unto yourself. It's between you and the Lord anyway. Just say, Jesus, first of all, I want to tell you thank you. I want to tell you thank you for coming and dying for me and dying for my sin. Jesus, I realize I'm a sinner. Nobody had to tell me that. And right now, right now in this moment, in this second the best I know how, at this time and in this place. Jesus, I'm asking you to save me. I'm asking you to forgive me. I'm asking you to come into my life. I'm asking you to give me that spiritual birth that Pastor Greg was talking about. Jesus, I'm asking you to do what only you can do. Jesus, I trust that you'll do this. I'm, I'm exercising faith today that you hear my prayer and have answered my prayer. Jesus, thank you for saving my soul. Thank you for proving that you are the resurrection and the life.